The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Robert Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, welcome everybody to our Sunday Conversation edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show, first airing, I believe, September 25th, 2023. So this is the uh, first official uh, Sunday Conversation in autumn in the Northern Hemisphere. What does that mean? Leaves are changing. Uh, The harvest is coming in. You got to start doing, depending on where you are, planting for fall, you can. Otherwise, you're shutting down for winter. Hopefully, you had a great bounty. Uh, speaking of great bounties, the conversations I get to have with folks on this particular edition or version of the Robert Scott Bell Show is a lot of fun to me. I, it means a lot to me to be able to do it, and I love having these deep conversations with folks that are just sharing about their experience, their belief system, why they believe what they believe, and uh, you know what makes them tick, so to speak. And it's just fun to do. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Today, we're going to have a fellow radio guy on. Guy has got a background in radio, although I started in radio, I was a little older but I look, I, th- I look and think about the things I do in media, and I still, as, w- as does Super Don, we think in terms of radio. That was our you know, birthplace into uh, primarily media outreach. Of course, it's transitioned over time, and this man, Mike Phillip, from American Uck Radio, has transitioned as well. If you caught the Friday edition of the Robert Scabell Show, Mike showed up in the uh, bonus round. We talked a little bit about that backstory. We might have to give a little bit of that as well for those that missed it as Super Don was woven into some of that uh, uh, online, I don't know if mayhem's the right word, but morning zoo type, figuring it out to where he is today. Mike Phillip on the Robert Scott Bell Show Sunday Conversation. Mike, are you up in Canada right now? I'm all up in Canada and uh, to everything there is a season and it's turning like it has uh, every other uh, time, uh, about this time every year. And it's it's starting to get, cold in Canada, and uh, if I have my way where I live right now, will not be part of Canada very long and will come back uh, and rejoin its rightful place in the union. But that's another story. Uh, thank you so much for getting me on. And it was really interesting on Friday to hear that uh, Dawn had a listener of your guys uh, recommend that you get me on. And I, she probably didn't even know that Dawn and I had been working together for years. Yeah, I don't think so. It's funny how that works. And it was yep. just, you know, Don mentioned, I said, yeah, that'd be kind of cool because you've had quite a journey in this lifetime and believe in, in freedom, liberty, and that God grants us our rights. So we're, you know, all aligned there. But, uh, you know, your your radio background, your transition into what you do today, which is Super Don mentioned in the bonus round on Friday, was, uh, you know, as he said, I learned to talk radio from the, the network that syndicated me first, just be yourself, be more of yourself than anybody else can be because it's just you. And that's where it starts. And so many in radio have kind of put on air to try and fit in what they believe radio to be. And if I take that into a conversation on duality, I think the same message applies. Who are you? And, and, and what is your relationship to the divine? When you figure that out, I'm not saying that all life becomes cake. But it certainly helps navigate the challenges that we all face on the planet. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. Um, I, in the last three and a half years or so, have turned into Pastor Mike, which is not something that 
I ever asked people to call me or demanded that they call me or announced myself as uh, people just started calling me that. And at first it made me cringe. I was like, oh, don't call me that. I'm nobody's pastor. I didn't. Uh, but but uh, the more I went along with uh, the, the big changes that were happening with me and saw what was happening with other people uh, through that work, I gradually was like, okay, this is what I am. This is, and, and it wasn't anything that uh, I took upon myself. I don't have a bunch of paper on the wall. I don't have a doctorate in divinity. I did not go to seminary. Uh, God just started working in my life and and doing big things, uh, and and mostly for other people. Uh, we've seen a lot of miracles happen here, and uh, I'm eager to talk to you about it over uh, the next hour. Beautiful. Well, let's go back to some of that backstory in terms of yeah, and broadcast media radio. Was it always up in Canada? I mean, you talk about America Nuck, and I think about America. And I've been to Canada a few times over the years, and they, they get offended when I call myself an American. It's not me personally, because we're Americans too. We're an uh, But this is the country that has the United States of America uh, in, in the name as well. But um, that Canadian connection that you have through Alberta, and you, you kind of hinted at that in the intro, how you have to come you know, be part of that because as what I pointed out in Canada, and I'm not the only one doing so, that your your government doesn't acknowledge rights from God. It's a parliamentary act that grants you privileges that they call rights and the Charter of Rights. So it's a vulnerable position to be in, which we saw manifest intent in during the COVID crazy crisis and the protests that occurred. Well, you have to you have to understand there's some very fundamental differences between Canada and the United States, which most people do, but I don't think that they understand the 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 extent of them. Canada is what's considered considered a constitutional monarchy, and so uh, as opposed to a constitutional republic, and it's kind of a play on words. But Canada is a is a number one. It's a confederation. A lot of people. Uh, think that, you know, the stars and bars is a Confederate flag. Well, actually, the maple leaf with the red stripes, that's a Confederate flag. And so Canada was born under what was called the British North America Act uh, when uh, Canada was signed into a territory in a uh, British parliamentary uh, uh, session. And that document was brought across the sea. So Canada was never really independent as a nation for the last 150 years as we know it. And what they did was they they broke up the country into sections called provinces. Western Canada for the longest time was not a part of Canada. And we have a lot of evidence of that because uh, when the railroads were being built, a lot of the native tribes in British Columbia and Alberta uh, the, the railroad companies wanted to build across those areas and the government told them you have to deal with the natives because that's their land. And they have these letters to this day. Uh, the other thing too is what they did was they took a large Western mass that was known as the territory of Buffalo and broke it up into provinces. And then what, what we have here in the House of Commons is seats, right? So you have so many representatives per area well, in, in Alberta, where I live, we have less representation in the House of Commons in the federal government in Ontario than just the cities of Toronto. And uh, so, like, you have no vote here. When people talk about the electoral college system in the United States, 
Uh, you should be very thankful for that because, you know, people in rural areas like Iowa have as much representation as, say, uh, New York City or L.A. And, and But see, Canada does not have that. So there's almost literally no point in voting uh, in this confederation called Canada. And, and it's uh, it's very convoluted. Most Canadians don't even know the history or how it works. Mm -hmm. uh, but I have studied it vastly. My dad is from Chicago, served in the United States military. I have family in Tennessee, Idaho, South Carolina, North Carolina, Idaho, uh, Ohio. Uh, family well, how how did you end up north of the border then? My mother is from Alberta and she was, my dad was hitchhiking around and my mom was with my with her sister-in-law, my Aunt Deb. They were getting on a bus in a town called Red Deer. And my mom said to my aunt, look at that dirty hippie. I bet he tries to sit with me. And my dad heard that. And here I am. <laughs> uh -huh. Wild backstory there. So that's what you, happened. <laughs> you have in your DNA some of these American ideals then that may may not be existing in Canada based on the, the you know the launching of a nation differently. Uh, and um, you know I, I bring this up all of the time that uh, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, things uh, in our form of government, not that we're living up to it fully, is that we acknowledge and the government as as by uh, constitution recognizes and prior to that a declaration of independence that our rights come from a creator and that creator is not government um, yep. and and that's a divine uh and distinct difference in terms of from where the powers of uh, government are derived in a monarchy of course the the monarch if you will king queen emperor is a divine right of kings again and then everything else that you have in canada where you think you're free is kind of a, a you know an illusion ultimately and well, if you look like you brought up the charter of rights and freedoms right the canadian charter mm -hmm. if you actually go and read that it tells you right at the beginning that yeah you have these rights and freedoms but under any situ any any reasonable situation they can be revoked it tells right. you that right at the beginning right so like uh and not only that but that charter of rights and freedoms was given by the current Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's father, Pierre Elliott Trudeau. And uh, there was actually a big, uh, what happened while he was Prime Minister is Quebec was going to separate from Canada, which the Supreme Court ruled that it could do because there were no formal treaties between the federal government and the provinces. So uh, what, what they did was they paid off Quebec to keep trying to separate to keep the illusion alive that Canada is actually a country, but there was backbench uh, members of parliament that were writing letters to the premier of Quebec saying, look, you can't have a divorce where there was never a marriage in the first place, but they took the money in order to keep the facade that Canada is actually a country alive. And they've been doing it to this day. Uh, they have what's called the equalization act. And so what they do is they incentivize provinces not to develop their re, uh, their natural resources. And then the provinces that do, like here in Alberta, we only have 4 million people, but Alberta generates the, the vastly, the most amount of revenue for the rest of the country. So what they do under the Equalization Act is take that money, uh, billions, like where we're talking billion, hundreds of billions of dollars and, and give it to other provinces in Canada, in Eastern mm -hmm. Canada, 
And so they they suck us dry. And I think we get back maybe uh, 40 cents on the dollar kind of a thing for everything that we put into the federal government in Ottawa. And so there's, there's a lot of growing resentment toward Canada here in Alberta. Not only that, but the majority of Alberta was settled by Americans during the cattle drives and they were giving away land to try and populate Western Canada. So every year in Calgary, they have what's called the Calgary Stampede. And that is commemorating that people from Utah, Colorado, Texas, uh, all were coming up to Western Canada to settle it. So in many ways, uh, Western, especially where I live in, in uh, central and southern Alberta, is almost like a lost tribe of Americans. Fascinating the history many Americans don't know. Many Canadians to, don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, many Canadians don't know as well. Yeah. You're right. And, and yeah. you know, I come back to um, the unique spiritual essence of America. Now, America is not supposed to have a state-sanctioned religion. Yeah. But it's supposed to have, uh, you know, a, a, a government that does not, as the, as the First Amendment says, you know, it doesn't authorize a state-sanctioned religion. I've argued that we do have one, and it's not Christianity, Judaism, or Islam. It's the Church of Pharmaceutical Mysticism. As you find, you know, the United States of Drug America is a very real decline away from our origin point. But most of the Western-style democracies, if you can call them that, of the world are owned and controlled by and regulated and captured by uh, that, you know, pharmacia or sorcery, which mm -hmm. is another form of a religion or a cult. And I yep. look at Canada, and I've had some wonderful friends. I do have wonderful friends in Canada. And uh, as a country, there seems to be much more of a rebellion against uh, religion or spiritual things than even though that that rebellion is happening in the United States as well, but it seems to be very, you know, opposed to people of faith. Is that something that you see existing up there? Is it, again, a unique difference or carve out in Calgary? Well, so uh, number one, I'm in Edmonton, three hours north, the capital of Alberta. And so um, I, I'm going to say some things that surprise you on that. Um, number one, yes, there is a lot of pushback to uh, what I refer to as denominal religion, and uh, for good reason. I, I actually am one of them uh, because, you know, uh, this, this is something that alienated me from a lot of my listeners, but when uh, we were hearing about these Catholic churches being burned down, I'll give you an example. There's one of them just uh, about an hour away from me, and Everybody was freaking out because uh, uh, somebody had burned down a church. Well, a member of my church that was here grew up in that area, and he had about 12 friends that had all been molested by the priest with full knowledge of everybody in the community. The worst part of it was that everybody knew this guy was doing it, but no, 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 I can't hear. He's the priest. He's of God. I can't say anything. And if the parents were taking them and dropping them off with them at the lake house on the weekends. And so all, all several of these guys committed suicide. Lots of them were uh, had substance abuse issues because they had a hard time getting over this. And then, you know, of course, the diocese took them and, and moved them around. And uh, we saw that all over the place. I mean, everybody's talking about, oh, that residential school had that didn't happen. There were no bodies. Yeah. Forget about the Indian kids. What about all the white ones? What about the settlement in Baltimore where uh, 300,000 kids, I think it was, that were like going back 
50 years and they just kept shuffling them around. Everybody that talks about Epps, where's the Epstein client list? Hey, what about the uh, pedophile priest with the Anglican, the United Church of Canada, the Catholic Church? And getting back to that, uh, you talked about U.S. history and how it was built because people wanted their own faith and not a, a state-sanctioned faith. Well, that's funny because there's a little bit of hidden history that we just covered the other day. And I've talked to people that have grown up in the States their whole lives and uh, are buffs of history, people that cover uh, the, the uh, scriptural roots of the foundation of America. And they didn't know about this. But William Penn, the founder of the state of Pennsylvania, wrote a tract back in uh, 16... Uh, about 57 or so years after the King James Bible was translated and put out to the public. So he wrote this tract along the same lines of the beliefs that I have. Well, the, the church, which, by the way, was Protestant, demanded that the king incarcerate or kill him until he recanted publicly and bowed the knee to the church which which was uh you know i mean it was it was a branch of government really at that time uh which was another big reason why people wanted to cut ties with england because they wanted to worship and pray uh, their own way without dictates and edicts from popes and and cardinals and anyway so the thing that he wrote this tract on and by the way i went and bought it it's called shaking this shaking the sandy foundation by william penn and what it was that he publicly wrote this tract and said, there's no such thing as a trinity, as God in three persons, uh, that the church tells us it's nowhere in the Bible. It doesn't exist. It was made was up. A basic, of years like, was that uh, a basic tenet of Catholicism? That, that that's was the a, first, It's the first one, yeah. Right. Uh, under the Athanasian Creed, uh, you either believe in the trinity and confess that the Catholic Church is the only one that there is, or... Or I, I and when I talk about this, I do it in my best Monty Python voice uh, because. And you shall believe that there are three, but the three are one. Never to be confused with two. Five is right out uh, because that's what they were making fun of. Because that's what these guys were like. Well, hmm. William Penn wrote this treatise, uh, which is exactly the things that we talk about today. And I never knew this, but. That no, God is one. The Bible says it all throughout, over and over and over again. They threw him in the Tower of London, put him in consolatory confinement, and told him that he would spend life in jail if he did not publicly bow the knee and recant to the denominations, the Anglican Church, the right. Anyway, William Penn told them. I'll die in jail before I will confess anything to you or bow the knee to you. Uh, and, and I'm cool with that because I'll see you at the judgment. And that was his attitude. So the king, uh, George II, it turned out that William Penn's father was an uh, admiral in the Royal Navy. And on his deathbed, he made a request to the king, please uh, don't let my son get in too much trouble over this because uh, he's just got this in him to go against the rules. And he, so the king ended up letting him out of jail after uh, just a little bit under eight months. And eventually, because the church still wanted him punished for publicly defying them 
And so the king banished him to the colonies and gave him a tract of land. You now know it as Pennsylvania. And so that simple act of defiance against religious tyranny that we see all around us now, Mm -hmm. it's just under a different wrapper. uh, But that, I I mean, he was rewarded for uh, his stance on the truth. And that's, uh, you know, and I love looking these things up, but yeah, people that believe the same things I do, I'm not, I don't belong to a denomination, Robert. I don't have a diocese. I don't have uh, people that I report to. Uh, we just we just have church. And so I can tell you how that got started if you're interested. But yeah, uh, when you ask your, yeah. your initial question, is there pushback against people of faith? Uh, yeah, well, what, there, what there's a pushback against is hypocrisy and phonies that uh, are in these big denominations so, that yeah, you so, can't trip over your shoelaces without running into. Right. So, Mike, what I'm gathering is there's a lot of, uh, uh, let's say, if we call it blame or responsibility to be taken by those very institutions of religion that yeah. have hidden corruption or suppressed or, or eliminated the ability to get retribution or, or what we call justice for those who have been in the church and abused the authority and, and abused children and, and other things. So there is some level of justification for a reaction against people of faith, but I think it's wrongly extrapolated into individuals as opposed to the groups that become the official sanctioned, you know, uh, I agree. Corrupt, right. So I agree. Yeah. It, but I mean, who's, who's, who's paying for it? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we, we have a lady that's a listener to our show uh, that, that left, walked away from the church. Well, she, right before she started listening to what we were doing, they had a bish, uh, a visiting cardinal because her diocese had to pay out a bunch of money because of uh, a settlement for same thing, uh, men hurting kids. Well, they they brought up a cardinal that went through their rules of everybody that had been paying uh, tithes and offerings into that local diocese, and they went around and demanded more money of them because they were going broke from paying out these settlements. And so who's paying for it? Yeah, we, okay, great. That's fine. Don't blame the people sitting in the pew. And I don't, but they're definitely paying for something on the level of Epstein and actually way bigger. And Mm -hmm. and I know lots of Catholics that I love and respect, but I would like to them to reconsider what they're a part of. Well, it's just like, you know, I've talked about it in terms of a secular government in America um, yeah. That is not supposed to again align itself with one church or religion over another, but allow yeah. for the free, you know, ability to worship. Right. At the same time that government has done what is decayed and declined to do. Again, and I'm an American, and I believe in the country and all of its high ideals. I recognize, though, that I can self-face and look and say where we've fallen down and not done what we're supposed to reach high ideals. That there's a point where you have to look and say, is it my moral obligation? or legal or lawful obligation to contribute to my own enslavement. Because uh, in the United States, we've seen, and I remember this, uh, countries around the world are investing tax money, taxpayer money, to find out how to get people to accept mandatory injections, for instance, which is yeah. very much imprisoning us, imprisoning our bodies, much less our mind and our spirit to not allow us to say, nope, 
sorry at all. Uh, so we have all institutions potentially becoming corrupt or actually becoming corrupt, whether they be religious, secular, or otherwise. And apparently, you know, the founding fathers in America knew that organizations or groups of men would always find a way to decay to some form of tyranny to enslave others. And, uh, you know, so then I come back to faith and I say, all right, God, did, did you create the church that is so corrupt? Did you create the government or is it man's free will making choices to abuse power, for instance? And then what do you do and how does that affect your maturation into your faith, Mike? So um, how it works with us is that, like I said, we, we don't have any 501c3 or any kind of tax status with the Canadian government. Um, and in fact, my own personal situation uh, I wrote a letter to our federal government in Canada in 2014 and openly declared to them that I would not uh, fill out any paperwork for them nor give them a dime of what I uh, exchanged my labor for under contract with another man. And I haven't had any contact with them in, in well, it would be, uh, well, 2014, so quite a while ago, almost 10 years now. And I'm also a U.S. citizen, but I don't have a social security number. And and God allowed me to do that. I, I asked him to give me that liberty, and he did. So I can honestly say that I'm not contributing to all of that. I don't down anybody if they're, they are filling out their uh, T4 or their, uh, you know, in, in Canada or, or their tax filing in the United States. That's between you and and what what you do but uh i did take that stand back in 2014 and i have the paperwork to prove it uh with a cabinet member of the stephen harper government signed it and stamped it uh received house of commons with the date i think it was march 16th and i can show you that actually if you'd like sometime but yeah um here's the thing we operate by faith and that's not because i uh am such a great guy what what ended up happening was like you guys, uh, I was covering a lot of news and I got, I, frankly, I got burned out on it. I, I was I was covering the same six headlines as 50,000 other shows a day. Uh, and, and you know, we could, we, my wife and I could turn on Tucker Carlson in the evening and I could look at her and go, he's going to talk about this, 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 and this. And then he did. And she said, how do you know? And I said, because everybody is. That's, that's the same two, six talking points that everybody's talking about. You know, like you guys have been covering vaccines and medical mishaps and shedding and Guillain-Barre, Guillain-Barre, uh, uh, you know what I mean? All these different things surrounding the issue of vaccinations, going back to the Senate bill in California with Richard Penn, and you guys have been immersed in it. It's been your thing, right? And so... Uh, I was doing something similar 10 years ago uh, when I was guest hosting Fire Your MD Now with Dr. Peter Glidden, where all I did was talk about medical mistakes, how expensive uh, it was in the United States, studying the differences between uh, what they call the free healthcare system in Canada and different, different systems between states and provinces and how all that worked. And so I was so up to my neck in it, and I was so up to my neck in in uh politics all the time what happened was i realized after a while is that whatever you're pissed off about give it 15 minutes and there'll be yeah. something else guaranteed there'll be some other big issue it was a, a adrenaline 
uh, junky, you know, delight, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I get it, Mike, because, you know, when I started my show, and I think this is what Super Don, what drew him in, because I was talking about things he had never heard about when we talk about the vaccine issue all those decades before anybody was talking about it. And it wasn't like the latest adrenaline junkie thing. They, They were, for me, very real issues that were, under most people's radar, not anywhere yeah. in their, their sphere of consciousness. Right. And, and, and then also for me, you know, bringing my faith into it, which I don't do that to try and convince anybody what they should believe or not, but I try to be an example for others of how I, I would like to live my life. And I think we're better off if we honor others and respect others and their perspectives, as long as they're not trying to violate my rights. And so tying all those things into health issues that people were just start, kind of coming about and yeah, it changed the way I was, doing whatever talk radio was because I brought my health perspective from chemically pharmaceutically grown to homeopathically reborn into it. So it was unique and different. So I get what you're saying in terms of you could predict what's going to be covered. And it's like, I never wanted to do that. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, you asked me what precipitated this all happening. Right. And so like this is getting to where I, where I ended up where I am today. Right. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. Um, I, I just like when the lockdowns hit and the pandemic and all of that, I found a whole lot of people all of a sudden it was my dream come true. Everybody woke up to the evil, right? You know what I mean? And they were coming to me and did you know? And they were all just wild eyed and, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, my, uh, you know, every housewife from Palookaville to, was all of a sudden telling me things that I knew 10 years ago. And I I didn't despise them for that. Like that was what I always wanted. But what I realized that was that there was actually something bigger at play than even what I realized before. And that uh, my constant going on about it. And the other thing too, is that it was almost obsolete for me to talk about the same thing because guys like Stu Peters came along and, and Infowars and, and they were covering these things kind of ad nauseum. So I didn't want to be another voice uh, of that. Now, it's different for you because that was your specific start. It wasn't right. exactly where my heart was. Let's sure. put it that way. Uh, I was passionate about it. But mm-hmm. um, what ended up happening was I got like, um, well, the, the lockdowns hit and one day I was I was watching a stream of some friends of mine that that I I attract revolutionary people. Okay, that's that's who I attract, and these are friends that I have that uh, that well the reason that the Canadian government called for martial law basically was uh, these guys anyway, uh, and they had a guest on their show that brought up a Bible verse out of the Gospel of John. And I had lived for God uh, 30 years prior, but I had walked away from him because some stuff happened and knocked my faith for a loop. And that was the condition I was in when Don met me. So this, this, this little, just tiny section of the word of God got in me and just started growing and growing and growing. And then the man that started the, uh, the Wexit movement, Peter Downing, uh, who was, uh, in a lot of news up here, federally and provincially, uh, he stopped by my house one time, uh, and this is right before the lockdowns hit. And he said, uh, "I 
hate the churches. I can't find it. I don't like them. I've, I've gone to 50 different churches in this area. <clears throat> and I feel like, I feel like I want a steak dinner. I want to, I want to hear something that's edifying and lifts me up and that I can actually use in my life. And it feels like they're trying to feed me a bowl of styrofoam, uh, spiritually speaking. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know, I used to teach Bible studies on a regular basis, Peter, why don't you just come over here on Sundays and we'll get into it? Well, what ended up happening was the lockdowns hit and it was illegal to have people in your house or gathering. And you guys all saw Arthur Pulaski mm-hmm. and uh, uh, the guy from just uh, 20 minutes away from here uh, in Spruce Grove. I, I can't remember. James Coates, remember? <clears throat> and so, yeah, that's like that. That's right around me. Well, while that was happening, uh, I had a house packed with people. I mean, it was it, my my place was packed, and my mother was started teaching a Sunday school because we had all these children, and we weren't being sneaky about it. We were just, you know what I mean. And there were times when an RCMP cruiser would be parked down at the end of the street. Watching. I, I don't know if they were watching us, but at the time we were seeing pastors getting dragged out of churches. So what I came to realize is that God is actually very, very, very much in control of all things. And what what I started doing was bringing people to prayer and walking by faith completely and with this non-denominational, heavy, heavy on the scripture approach, uh, we were having miracles happening just left and right. In the middle of the pandemic, uh, one of the young men that started coming to the church had applied for this program three years earlier, and he got accepted for it. And long story short, we had a 20-foot trailer full of thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of groceries showing up at twice a week. And so like we were sending people home from church with like seven, $800 worth of meat and wow. produce and dairy. And like, it was just, it was crazy. And I've never seen anything like it. Uh, we had, yeah, uh, that was one of the miracles you're describing, right? That was just one. And, and there's been so many that I can't remember, but, uh, uh, I could, well, just recently, I'll, I'll give you a few. Uh, my father is, uh, he, he lives in Tennessee and situation that you have covered very frequently. Uh, the VA, uh, while he was in their care, uh, misdiagnosed an infection in his leg and tried to treat it with oral, uh, antibiotics. And then, uh, they knew about this for like, uh, quite a long time and they finally sent him to the university of Tennessee uh, where they said, uh, treating this kind of infection with oral antibiotics is like uh, trying to, trying to kill a rhinoceros with a BB gun Hmm. and you could have died. And now he has to have his leg amputated. But in the midst of that situation, see, this is where God is. Is, is in difficulty when you're when you're living for God it's not living on a pillow with people feeding you grapes and uh no there you have to do things and in the midst of trials that come up in your life that's where you see him so my dad mm-hmm. he needed money he's retired he's a veteran he 
uh, can't work now because he's got to have his leg cut off. And so we've been praying for him quite a bit. And he called me the other morning and he said, I'm going to the bank. I need to take $300 out of my overdraft. I have a $1,500 overdraft and I'm $200 into it. I said, dad, I've been praying for you, dad. It's good. Don't worry. Like, just forget about it. Don't think about money. Don't think about it. It'll be there. I, I've asked for it. It just, that that's it. And he got mad at me because I wasn't sufficiently upset about the gravity of his situation. Mm. And he said, that's not where I'm at, Michael. And I said, all right, well, I love you, dad. Uh, but you're going to be taken care of. He goes into the, and, and this is just the beginning. Okay. <laughs> he goes into the bank, the teller, uh, he goes to the teller. I need $300 out of my overdraft. Teller says, uh, sir, just take it out of your ATM. Take it out of the ATM. Dad says, uh, I can't take out of my overdraft on the ATM. I've got a condition on the account. And and the teller says, sir, what are you talking about? And, and if you knew my father, uh, he said, what do you speak English? It's in my overdraft. I can't take it out. Right? And, and the teller says, sir. <laughs> There are certain conditions on your account that I cannot speak of, but I assure you, go to the ATM. Dad goes to the ATM. The VA had put $6,000 into his account the day before. So when he pulled up and was worried about the money, the provision had already been made. And we also needed to raise uh, around close to $10,000 which we have, which, which with that money that came from the VA, then the next morning, now this is where it gets, uh, whoa, he took a picture of himself standing in front of a Confederate flag, okay? Mm-hmm. Wearing a suit in the morning. He says, I'm going back to church. He sent, he posts this picture on social media. I grabbed the picture and sent it to my assistant pastor, Peter Downing. Peter says, I saw this man last night. I said, what are you talking about? He's in Tennessee and you're in Edmonton. And he's never seen my dad. He says, no, I I had a dream last night. I saw this man standing in front of that flag wearing that suit. And he said, it was like an older, more foul-mouthed, more redneck version of you. I said, that's my dad. (laughs) He's He's never met my dad, okay, or seen him. And he said that uh, God spoke to him and said this man had to be cut off for a time in order to be brought back into fellowship. So that's the God I serve. Uh, He showed Peter that picture the night before, then had dad take the picture in the morning, then put it in front of me and had me send it to Peter so that Peter would be able to confirm the reason for that word. To me, and and I've seen this before. We had another guy in the church that uh, he was uh, hadn't been living for God for a very long time, and had not picked up his Bible. But he came to about two different services, and he uh, opened it up randomly, just randomly. You got to remember, there's ten thousand chapters and over thirty three thousand verses. So randomly, he opens it up to a passage in the book of Jeremiah, and there the immediately he reads that immediately there's a the doorbell rings and it's an amazon delivery driver his girlfriend a week earlier 
had ordered a wall print of that passage. And we have a God that operates outside of time mm -hmm. and will show you things before they happen. And so with all of that in mind, I realized that when, when you read in your Bible how that God actually allows death, disease, war, and, uh, and famine, right? Those are the four horses. And everybody thinks that that's something at, at the end in the book of Revelation, that those the four horses are going to... No, that's, that's written in all of the prophets. And so you can have those things in your life, or you can have protection from them. And so if you go to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28, there's a list of blessings and curses. And if you look at the curses that are listed in the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy, uh, well, I'll give you an example and tell me if this doesn't remind you of America and the southern border. It says, if you will not serve me, look after the poor, Remember the fatherless, the widows, you, you, I give you everything and you forget, you become ungrateful, you become lifted up in pride. I will bring another nation against you whose uh, language you don't understand. They'll live in your houses, they'll eat your food, they'll take everything away from you. They will pour in, you won't be able to stop it. And that's just one. But like if you read that list, every single thing that is happening in North American society right now is listed there. Right there. But at the same time, I see people that have a just completely blessed life in the middle of it, and it doesn't even touch them. But it was written 3,000 years ago, Pretty and amazing. we're watching it today. Yeah. Mike, uh, I want to ask you about your dad. Did, yeah. Uh, that experience come back to him and soften his heart a little bit i mean i i appreciate your <laughs> mannerisms about him and how he is and uh, and i yeah. like I said it's a generation thing too but uh <laughs> has, it, has it had an impact on him i and i'm not saying so, you could speak for him but may you have a sense of it he's your dad so okay so after so like you gotta remember he was he was quite upset and uh very surly with me and then, uh, you know, he the last thing he said with to me was, "I'm at the bank. I got to go in. Goodbye." And uh, he was annoyed with me. Which <laughs> uh, that's my dad. That's that's right. I love him. Right? He's a gruff old guy. He's 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 gristly. Anyway, uh, he's what Americans used to be. Anyway, um, he calls me back in 20 minutes, and he goes, "You're not gonna believe this." And I said, "Try me. Try me. See what I wouldn't believe or what I'll believe." He's, and so he told me the story. I said, what do we say? And he goes, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Dad, this is, this is like, honestly, look, I'm, I'm not your pastor. I'm not preaching at you. You're my father. But this is what we're seeing. Like, this is how it – I'll give you two more, okay? Um, we have a listener – named Chet, that lives in Mobile, Alabama, okay? I preach uh, Acts 2 and verse 38, okay? That's 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 the, the plan. That's how you get into this kingdom that we live in on earth where everything's provided and, and you're covered by the blood that was shed on the cross. And so we uh, repent, be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sin, and you'll be filled with the Holy Ghost, right? That's the promise. Anyway, uh, I start, I, I'm preaching this, 
and doing Bible studies on it on air that this is this is what Jesus said to do. This is what the apostles do. Well, this man that is uh, retired in Mobile, Alabama, uh, is hearing my show, and he goes into prayer just once, one time, and asks God if there's. He says, God, I would really like to be baptized in in Jesus' name, but I would really like it to be by Mike. I I would like Mike to do it. Problem with that is that Mobile, Alabama is over 3,000 miles away from Edmonton. That's apparently not a problem if you're God, though, because about a week and a half later, this company phones him up and says, hey, can we... Please get you to, uh, can we send you to teach a two-day course in a Shell gas plant? He says, where is it? He said, just outside of Edmonton, Alberta. He was standing on my front porch within a couple weeks. I called, and and it's wintertime. I don't have a baptismal tank. So I called my friend, uh, Pastor Michael Grange at Bethel Apostolic on the west end of Edmonton, asked him if we could do this. And he's like, uh, bring them down. We're filling the tank. Mm-hmm. Then, right after this, we had uh, a widow and her son named Mike and Lorraine that lived in Ontario, which, like, the province of Ontario is as far from me as I am from Arizona. You know, I'm like probably a little bit further. Mm-hmm. But they caught my my show. Uh, in this case on the Stu Peters network on Rumble, and they started watching, and I told them, like, and they started following along in their Bible, and they were feeling God's presence, feeling the Holy Ghost, and she was getting tears in her eyes and just just really feeling God's love and his presence strongly. But I, I was telling people, on this, everybody that watches my show or comes to church here, I tell them, try to lock yourself away, shut the door, and pray. Talk to God for 20 minutes. If you, if you can do it, don't beat yourself up. If you don't make it to 20 minutes, if you can't do it all at once, try it twice in 10 minutes, try it four times at five. But if you do, if you make that effort, first thing that will happen, you will see him do something in your life, and it will be in a way that you didn't expect it. And so these people, uh, they, they, they were living in Ontario watching my show, and they really wanted to move to Alberta because Alberta is kind of the Florida of Canada. Like there's a higher degree of personal freedom and more uh, conservative values, I guess. And so when you guys were seeing those pastors uh, dragged out of their churches during the lockdowns, it was a little bit misrepresentative of the rest of the situation because things weren't as harsh here as they were most places, but they made an example of those guys. Anyway, so this widow and her son, all the way in Ontario, start praying and asking God to make a way for them to move to Edmonton. Now, the only problem is they're broke. They they don't have any money. They're poor. And again, that's quite the distance, right? So they start asking the Lord for this. One morning she gets up and looks at her bank account and there are $10,000 there that is completely unexplained. She looks into this $10,000 in her bank account. Turns out that the, the Canadian equivalent of the IRS 
the Canada Revenue Agency or CRA, a random agent out of the blue, it just popped into his head, look into this woman's dealings over the last several years, and they discovered a discrepancy and that they owed them $10,000 in two months. They live 20 minutes away from me. They're in our church today. And then it was about a week after I had baptized this gentleman from uh, Alabama, and I called him back, and we had a family of uh, six, four kids and, and a mom and, mom and dad that wanted to be baptized in Jesus' name. And then this widow and her son, Lorena Mike, all the way from Ontario. So I called my friend Pastor Grange again, and I tell I said, hey, man, I've got eight more. i got eight more want to be baptized. Can we bring them down? And he says, bring them down. So we bring them all down. Uh, all, they've been coming from Alabama, from Ontario, from uh, uh, different cities in Alberta. And then I'm sitting there thinking, I'm looking around. It's this big, cool, awesome church, and they just rented the front. The got the got the drum with the drum set with the little transparent cage. I'm a drummer. I always wanted one of those. Anyway, they got all this cool stuff, and I'm thinking, man, this is really neat. I, I you know, it'd be cool to have all this. You know, I'm just I'm a little uh, preacher with a little tiny church out of my house, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting there thinking of that. Their pastor comes to me after. And he says, Mike, I have to tell you something. I said, what's that? He said, you're probably looking at all this stuff thinking that this is really cool. He said, but what you guys are doing, it, it is so book of acts. It's like what the apostles were originally doing. He says, and I have to tell you something. He said, our baptistry was broken. It was broken. And we haven't had any baptisms in a long time. And he said, I was praying and asking God to bring us some baptisms because it it just, it was on my heart. Why aren't we baptizing anybody? The Bible says to do it. He says, you call me out of the blue, bringing a man all the way from Mobile, Alabama. And he said, the man that was repairing the baptistry had just walked out the back door when you were walking in the front door with this man. And then you brought me eight more, two Sundays later, and that's just exactly what I had been asking for. So God moved people from 3,000 miles away and 2,000 miles away and brought them here, and this man had been praying for it to happen. And you have to think that when the people that prayed uh, asked for their request from God, he had to take the mind of somebody at the Canada Revenue Agency and the mind of somebody with this company that grabbed Chet out of Alabama. And so when you put that all together, God is able to do anything using anybody, uh, even if there's somebody that you would traditionally consider your enemy. It doesn't matter. Yes. Mike, absolutely beautiful and uplifting. It it shows what we have come to believe. I have certainly that with God, all things are possible. It's not me saying it. Yeah. But it's been a time immemorial context of trying to bring people back to it. Yet so many people believe because of the hardships of life that it is not possible. The power really exists in government or even official churches, right? It's not limited by any four walls uh, or anything. And that's why I can't get upset at governments anymore because I know mm-hmm. that it's all in. I, I can't even get mad at them. 
They don't even know what they're doing. Yeah, it's serving a larger purpose. If I look at this planet as a schoolyard, if you will, and I believe the free will that I've been granted by God is so that I would choose to come back to God, not be coerced or deceived or frightened to do so. And these people you're describing have chosen to do that. They've asked, they yeah. petitioned, they prayed. He revealed and, himself to them and mm-hmm. he he didn't shame them. He didn't mm-hmm. uh, come in great wrath. He, 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 you know, he, uh, I prayed that God would put me in front of people that were searching or hungry, hungry mm-hmm. for righteousness and power mm-hmm. over sin in their lives. And uh, he put me in front of them. And, and I, I can't tell you how many times, Robert, that I've prayed in the morning and put together a study. Like I'm in the Bible two hours every day live and then an hour on Sunday and Monday through Friday and lots of times teaching it on Saturdays. So I, I, I know my, I know my way around it pretty good, but that's beside the point. When I pray in the morning and ask him to lead me and take my tongue, take my heart, take my mind. It's almost every day that somebody calls me or texts me or sends me an email through the website after the show and says, how did you know that that was happening in my life? And I've been asking this question for years and you mm-hmm. answered it. It came out of your mouth. And I'm like, how could I know that? I don't know that. It yeah. wasn't me. You have asked to be of service. You've asked to be yeah. a vessel or channel, whatever you want to call it, whatever the language dictates. But the reality is you set the stage by declaring yourself. Uh, yeah. you, you've surrendered to the divine. And this is yeah, that spirit of- will use you. Yeah, this isn't the kind of surrender that's I give up defeated. It, you you surrender to God in triumph because suddenly oh, now yeah. you've connected to the source of all wisdom, of all healing, Peace, of all miracles. Joy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wonderful. I, I love Absolutely. these stories that you're sharing, and I I hope people find inspiration in them. And I recognize that some may have preconceived notions or beliefs about it that might hear some of your words and go, "Well, that doesn't work for me." Well, God can work through anything, as you point yeah. out. And I'm not the one that that wants to try and limit it, although we tend to, as humans, will often say, we'll limit God, even though God's going, I've been telling you, I'm not limited. <laughs> so we tend to play yeah. these games because of Your programming. Your arms are too short. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we have injuries, we have traumas, we've been abused. And so we tend to believe the, the, the lesser of reality because of our experience and we justify it. And of course, you know, you've heard the saying, if you believe you can or you believe you can't, you're right. You know, that's the freedom that God gave us, you know, through belief to then live our lives according to those beliefs and uh, we'll have life justify it. Now, there is grace. There are miracles all of the time that can help us break free of that when we are ready. And I think when we ask or petition or pray, it's with a sincere heart, an open heart. And God knows when we're ready. And he knows also when we're fooling or trying to fool. Oh, you know? he knows you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the hairs on your head are number. Yeah, he knows you. If yeah. you if you come to him dishonestly, you yeah. can't hide anything. And then you can curse God because he didn't. He didn't answer your prayers. Well, again, look into your heart and ask if I was sincere, if I was ready, or if I was just trying to find one more reason to not do it, but pretend I did. You know. So these are the things yeah. that I'm not saying it to condemn or judge another, just to recognize that in the process of coming back to your faith. And again, beyond any four walls with any particular official church or religion that you uh, you say surrender again to that higher uh, power, if you will, or deeper power. Again, language kind of doesn't actually meet up to what I'm trying to say, but I think you get it based on what you're experiencing and what you're sharing. 
Uh, you know, and, and that's it. Like, uh, don't, don't ask him for stupid things either. Oh Lord, give me a solid gold Ferrari full of naked babes. Right. Like, <laughs> that would be stupid. Right. Like, uh, um, or the other thing too, is that he's not your circus monkey that, that that's going to do tricks for you. Right. Uh, the other thing too, is that, uh, the Jesus that I know is not, uh in statues and pictures the guy with the beard and the long hair when you say jesus every that i have no idea who that is i i i, I was unaware that somebody no. uh was there with a with a kodak disc at the crucifixion right. and uh snapped a picture like oh. that you know what i mean because some uh michelangelo hundreds of years sure. later i, I would say this mike as we're wrapping up yeah the spirit and god can take any form uh that will reach you that will reach you when you're ready. He'll speak through anything. Anything, exactly. Oh, yes. yeah. Mike, we're, we're out of time, but what a Sunday conversation. And I, yeah, I enjoyed appreciate it. Thank you, you so much. And tell everybody how they can find you. Uh, you can go to AmericanUckRadio.com. That's AmericanUckRadio.com. You can watch American Uck Radio on Rumble. Uh, we're on about 60 different platforms. We're live on Mojo Five O Radio every day. And also there's my church website, Alberta.Church. Alberta.Church. You can contact me through both websites. You will find me very accessible and available. And uh, I love meeting people and, and yeah. talking with them about uh, about the Spirit of God. and what I can tell. Do. Mike, thanks for all that you do. And you all enjoy these Sunday conversations. Keep tuning into the Robert Scott Bell Show six days a week. And this is uh, what we do. And I'm grateful, Mike, to connect with you again. That was wonderful. Thank you. And remember, the power to heal spiritually is yours. 